podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our pastor, Steve Troyer, and that as you listen, your faith truly does come alive in Jesus. We're going to look at um, a passage today. Well, we're going to start at Matthew chapter 9 and get there in just a moment. Come as you are. All of these five core values that we have um, actually come from our sending church from New Vine. And uh, in fact, if you go to any of our New Vine churches, they may not have the same terminology, but you'll essentially find the same kind of values right through our church. There are some that we've uh, perhaps even journeyed a little bit further in um, as a church. Now, it's been 14 years since I've been at New Vine. So um, as far as uh, being there on a regular basis. So some of these things, they may have progressed in different ways too. But uh, by and large, these core values uh, are what make us New Vine. Um, come as you are. When Liz and I first got married, um, we went down the road. We were in Birmingham Gardens, down to the Little Regal Cinema. That's where uh, New Vine first started. Andrew Cole and uh, Paul Whiting, uh, they were in their early 30s. Liz and I were in our early 20s. It was the late 90s. And um, so we, we were um, there as young marrieds, not really uh, knowing a great deal about how church runs, even though I was a, 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 a pastor's kid. And yet we were so hungry, so thirsty. And uh, when we came in there, um, there was this real sense of realness, uh, authenticity, uh, transparency about their walk. In fact, uh, I used to say of Paul and AJ, they were kind of like the tradesmen of the gospel, um, kind of like the practitioners, if you like. They reminded me a lot of John Wimber's style of ministry, where there was this um, real active sense of the gospel, not just uh, the lecturer's version of the gospel. Does that make sense? So uh, this is what this really captures, and it's... It's dear to me because it's not my story growing up. My story growing up was that I would not come as you are. It would be come as you wanted people to ex to expect you. And there was a sense of which I had a fairly polished version of me. Who knows, that's quite an exhausting place to be. And, um, and so come as you expect others want you to be. Come as you want them, you know, want to present yourself to others. And, you know, when you present yourself to others uh, in the way that you want them to see you, there's this version of you that's not actually real about you. It's, it's what you've presented. It's just the, it's what the, you know, hypocrite kind of picks up on this. It's hypocrite comes, hypocrite, if I can say the word, comes from the root word uh, actor on stage um, or, you know, somebody who's uh, pretending. And in some ways, uh, you know, you're trying, you know, when you become a, a Christian early on, you're trying to live out the best life for Jesus. And it's all for the right intentions. But without knowing it, sometimes you can lean into your own strengths and trying to present something that's not accurate in your heart yet. And there, there needs to start from the heart first. We did uh, this morning one of our cultural values as a, um, as a leadership is inside out integrity. It's this sense of which God starts from the inside out first and then your behavior catches up with where your inside is. And so come as you are really picks up on this. Uh, 
when you live two lives, the one that you present and the one that you know is true of you, there's a gap and you become quite dissatisfied with that after a while. And uh, you realise that um, you can't keep that up unless you're like Superman in some way because there comes a point where you just can't keep that up anymore. In fact, all it takes is somebody to bump you when you weren't ready for it. And you see, normally you're prepared for the bumps when you're doing the, you know, the presentation of who you are. But when somebody bumps you and you're not prepared for it, out spills something ugly. And sometimes we say of ourselves, that's not like me. But the truth is, it is like you because it's the worst of you. It's just spilled out. You just weren't able to clean it up quickly. That's the thing about bumps. When somebody bumps you, you don't have time to react in a way that gives your best version of you. Is that true? You end up giving the real version of you in real time. And then you're like, oh, 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 I'm trying to get that back. I wish I didn't spill that out. And, you know, it's actually a blessing when it spills out because what happens is it just reveals to you who you actually are and how much you need a saviour. Amen. And this is the beautiful gospel is that Jesus didn't save you in order just to get you into heaven. He saved you in order to change what you could not change. Praise God. See, I couldn't change the inside of me. I tried by changing my behavior, thinking that in doing so, it would change my heart. Even reading the scriptures and knowing more, knowledge itself does not change the heart. It has to be a transaction of Jesus in you. He is the one that brings the real change. And so we can go on pretending. And you know, here's the thing. Whilst ever I am being the me I want to be, I always uh, become useless to anyone else around me. I become totally irrelevant to anyone else around me because I'm actually just presenting something that's not real. You see, fruit comes from Jesus in you. He's the hope of glory in you. Jesus is the one who brings the transformation. For us, uh, there are certain things that um, end up training us towards giving us a presentation of ourselves. And um, so some things might be like social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok. I don't know who uses TikTok, but TikTok. Uh, Steve just raised his hand at the back there. He uses TikTok. Um, <laughs> and, and these... You know, uh, when it comes to social media, we, we don't really know the people that it's going out to. But what we do is we end up presenting the best of ourselves to others. And then we read into other people's uh, posts the best of their presentation. And very quickly, we end up in a comparison game where we see ourselves against another person and engage ourselves against another person or judge ourselves against another person but Facebook just trains you in giving the best version of yourself that should not be here and Facebook's not a bad thing and social media is not a bad thing and there you can be real on social media you can you can lay out your heart on social media but it can be very quickly become just a substitute for what we're trying to do in church which is just present the plastic me rather than the real me 
And so this is what we want for our church is that you would actually come as you are because when you come as you are, the depth of relationship that you're willing to go to with others and the trust that you build with others to actually be real with others actually becomes the platform for which something real begins to happen. And that real thing is Jesus in you. It's the only thing I have to offer you. And it's the best thing I have to offer you. In fact, it is the best thing you'll ever receive in life, is Jesus in you. He's the one who brings the change. Uh, Jesus, um, I'm, I'm interested in where he would go uh, as far as who he'd meet with. I love, I love the story of when Jesus ends up in Peter's boat. And he's not a fisherman. Well, at least he does not present it that way. We know he's a carpenter or stonemason in some way, but... He ends up in Peter's boat. and this stage, he's a rabbi and he's teaching. And Peter kind of accommodates this popular possible Messiah in his boat. And when Jesus finishes teaching, he looks to Peter and he says to Peter, who is the professional in his game uh, and who, by the way, has been out all night fishing and caught nothing. And he says to Peter, cast out your net one more time. And Peter, in some ways, if you read the text, it doesn't say it in this way uh, in particular, but it's my read of it. It's a little bit reluctantly he casts his nets out, almost like uh, I, I ordinarily would not do this, but because it's you, Jesus, the possible Messiah, I'll do it just to entertain you. So he puts his nets out and, you know, behold, uh, all of a sudden it fills up with this massive load of fish, so much so that it takes them. You see, when I read this, it's like it all happened within a moment. But it's quite likely that getting a whole load of fish with a massive load you know, within your nets and calling over another boat probably took it more in the order of a half hour to an hour to actually get your fish into the boat and try not to tear your nets and then finally get them in exhausted from the, uh, the effects of getting that in and also marveling at what Jesus did, Peter falls on his knees and he says, get away from me for I'm a sinful man. Now at that moment, you see, what Peter is saying is, I'm not worthy of you. I had intentions of just putting this out to entertain you, not because I thought we'd catch any fish. We actually caught fish. It's a miracle. You're more than what I thought you were. Who needs to know that? <laughs> Jesus was more than you thought he was for you. And here at that moment, Peter recognizes, I'm not worthy to be even near you, not to even to be in your presence. Get away from me, for I'm a sinful man. And this just fascinates me because uh, many people get to this point. They say, if I came to church, the roof would cave in on me. And they're saying the same thing as Peter. I'm not worthy. He wouldn't want me. If he knew the dark secrets in my life, he would say no to me. And many people right there, they don't go any further. But the story doesn't finish here. It's almost like Jesus just drops the bomb at this point. because it's totally against what Peter is thinking. He says, come, follow me. They say, hang on, hang on a sec. So what you're saying is that it has nothing to do with whether I'm worthy to follow Jesus. 
has nothing to do with whether I have the character to follow Jesus, has nothing to do with whether I even have the faith yet to follow Jesus. All it starts with is, he says, just come follow me, praise God. Just come as you are. Just come as you are, Peter. You don't need to change anything yet. You know, the the interesting thing is uh, this invitation to come as you are is is not just a stepping uh, into something. It's also stepping out of something. Because Peter, he leaves his boats behind, his security behind, and he comes and follows Jesus. When you come as you are, you're not just saying, Jesus, uh, I'm going to I'm going to come to your invitation, but you're also saying, I'm leaving behind all of my strengths, all of my, uh, the things I thought would actually make my name great, all those things I leave behind. I'm coming just as me without any strengths. It's the best place to be. Okay, so that's Peter. I don't know how much longer, but Jesus ends up walking past a, tax collector's booth and he sees a man working there his name is Matthew he writes the first book the first gospel in the New Testament uh, titled Matthew just in case you were wondering and um, he uh, ends up um, well Jesus as he walks past the tax collector's booth he doesn't even say anything other than come follow me now you need to understand, uh, you know, who, likes their, who likes taxes, by the way? Okay, right? Let alone the tax man who takes your money. Um, here is something even deeper still, because uh, in their day, the tax collector, a Jew collecting taxes from his fellow men, uh, collecting taxes for Rome, it was almost a, a way of saying, I am no longer a Jew. I, I'm actually choosing greed or I'm choosing uh, self-serving over and above my loyalty to my own nation. So that's why you found people would collect them with sinners. They would say tax collectors and sinners, all in that group, right? And so uh, Jesus comes to Matthew and he says, knowing who he is, come follow me. Now you need to know this because if uh, it's come follow me, but first get your life in order first. Stop sinning in the way you are. Then it's not really come as you are. And he calls us without any merit, without being worthy, without having our life all together. He just simply says, just come as you are. Just come follow me with everything you have, Matthew. So he didn't have any chance right there to just... Firstly, just get all of his life in order first. That's not why Jesus saw him at the tax collector's booth. He didn't say, Matthew, I've noticed out of all the tax collectors, you're a better tax collector than everyone else. He didn't say that. Matthew, I've noticed, all he saw was an inkling of faith that Matthew would follow. That's all he's asking you. Come follow me. When you say yes to following Jesus, you're saying, Jesus, I trust that all life-giving capacity comes from following you. I am willing to put everything else aside, all my claims, all of my strengths, all of my liabilities, everything I give to you because I find life in you. And so Matthew, he says, yes. 
Now we come to uh, Matthew chapter 9, and he records it really well. Matthew, after saying yes to Jesus, he ends up holding a party, wouldn't you? And he holds this party with all of his tax collector mates. And, um, and there's like alcohol at this party. I mean, what kind of Christian party is this? That Jesus would be there, right? And some of us wouldn't be seen, like, especially in my dad's era, wouldn't be seen at a party. In fact, uh, I've even heard of some who are so religious that um, they wouldn't touch a drink at a party. But if somebody accidentally sneezed over them with, uh, with uh, alcohol on their breath, and they could lick their, their um, lips around there. You know, I'm just kidding. But anyway, here, here they are. Um, Jesus is at a party, and he's with tax collectors at that they, they're unlike any of the Pharisees, right? Uh, and so Jesus is pinned down by the Pharisees at this point because they're, they're wondering. And we find in chapter 9, verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Great question. And so on hearing this, Jesus said, verse 12, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Praise God. So here is Jesus. He says, uh, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. And we all know that, like using that metaphor. Um, and so what he's saying is that those that he's spending time with know that they're not healthy. In fact, uh, they don't even need to go and get a doctor's report. Everybody else is already telling them, right? It's already evident to them. The unfortunate thing is that the Pharisee at this time, as they're asking the question, see themselves as healthy in no need of a doctor. And for many people in Christian world, uh, they can see themselves as completely healthy in no need of a doctor. In fact, uh, they intellectualize their faith decision to follow Jesus as I believe in Jesus. But when it comes to uh, actually knowing their need for Jesus, this is so big, church. I feel like there's so many people who don't know their need for Jesus. I'm doing okay. Even in the secular world, I'm doing okay. God knows my intentions. I'm a pretty good person. And this little subtlety that, uh, that seeps in that says, you're okay, you're healthy. You don't need a doctor. But the truth is we all need a doctor. And so Jesus, he comes for those who, who are sick. And he says, just try and learn what this means. I desire mercy, uh, not sacrifice. So I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Sacrifice, we don't do like the altar thing anymore with a lamb or uh, an ox or whatever it is that they would put on there. But instead, our, our sacrifice might be you know, serving or uh, could be um, you know, worship or tithing. And we look to these things in some way to go, God, if I'm doing those things, then I must be okay with you. But, you know, you can do those things and be totally sick on the inside still. And the, the problem is you can look the part and not know that you need Jesus. 
And so he says, I desire mercy far more. And the mercy is, is saying, Jesus, it's actually about uh, knowing that I need you. It's actually about knowing that you actually have a heart for every single one, whether they look like they have a need or they don't. And so he calls us um, to see it the same way that he does. Let's have a look at um, Romans chapter 7. Here's the, the need that uh, people find themselves in, in Christian world, I, I believe, where they, they know to be true that Jesus is their saviour. They've given their, their heart to him. And yet uh, within the midst of that, they try in their own strength to become Christ-like. Romans chapter 7, from verse 7 all the way through to the close of that chapter, Paul makes a case study and it's a case study with him before he knows Christ. And it's him as a good person. He was a Pharisee himself. And uh, we'll look at that in just a moment. Some of the things that were his accolades before he knew Jesus. But in verse 24, uh, he, he makes a statement and it's on the back end of really saying this. He says, uh, all my good intentions, I'm unable to fulfill by my own strength. In fact, uh, by my own willpower, I'm unable to actually bring about the things I know to do that are right, I can't do. And you know, your willpower, it's, it's powered by who? You. Right, So if it's powered by you, at some stage you don't have the power to keep up your will. And so Paul's saying this in, in other terms. He's saying, my own willpower only has a certain amount of power. You see, when you become stressed, tired, uh, when you become you know, disappointed, depressed, uh, all those things deplete your willpower. And you end up in a point where you find yourselves doing the things that you said you'd never do. And so... Paul says this is true. This is true of humanity. It's not just his story. It's your story. It's my story. And if we would just understand this, we would say, yeah, it's good to come as you are. Because then we realize it's actually true that we can't change ourselves. Verse 24, Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who's going to rescue me? He, he understands. Without an answer, without a saviour, it's not going to change. And he goes on to say, praise God. He's given me a saviour. It's in Jesus Christ. Before we go there, let's just have a look at Philippians. We will come back to Romans 7. Philippians uh, chapter 3. And oh, I'm in Ephesians. That's why it doesn't look right. Go the right direction, Steve. Here we go. So Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 to 6. I'm going to start halfway through verse 4. If someone else thinks they, are reason, they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Notice um, Paul's accolades. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Isn't that incredible? He's got a pretty high list. Anyone match his list at all here? Okay, no chance, is there? 
Uh, I mean, circumcised on the eighth day for one. And then born of the tribe of Benjamin, right? It'd be hard to go retract that one back. So here, here he is. He's got, a, he's got quite a list. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. Can you say loss? Whatever were gains for me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That's an important phrase right there. To be found in him. Where do I get up to? To be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. To be found in him. He counts all those things as loss. Every single thing. And so everything of my own strength, all the things that I've tried to achieve, all the things that I've presented well about myself, it's a loss. It's, it's actually going to get burnt up in the fire as worth nothing. It's just Christ in you that matters. That's the great gospel news right there. Come as you are. That Jesus may be the one that is found in you, praise God. That Jesus would be the one who is all of and everything of who you are. See, we don't just, you can either be a a Christian who, who knows to be a disciple or you can be all about discipleship. You see, one is kind of like the periphery. I add this to the things I do. But instead, being a disciple is all about saying, I'm given, I've given myself completely to Jesus. Everything that I do, listen, your workplace that you work in, whether it be in teaching, health field, whether it be um, uh, in the construction industry um, or on Centrelink, whichever it is, right? Whatever is your story, whether you even be a student at the time, he calls you to be Christ in that place and only you can fulfill that place. Nobody else can do it for you. Sure, he can bring in other people, but nobody can do like Rob Fryer's job, but Rob Fryer with Jesus in him. No one can do Dave's job, but Jesus in David. Each one of you, you are in an important role. Tell the person next to you, you are in an important role right now. Because, you see, the reason why is Jesus, Jesus, if you'll allow him to, He becomes the strength of witness, the strength of healing, the strength of love for one another, the strength of wisdom, the strength of uh, godliness within the workplace. All those things come from a relationship with Jesus, which is, uh, we're going to be talking about down the track uh, where we say walk in the Spirit. That's what we mean by walk in the Spirit. It's about relationship with Jesus. But when you know from the very basis, it actually has nothing to do with what I have to present at church or what I learnt growing up in moral standards, even if I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Nothing to do with those moral standards. It has everything to do with Jesus in me. 
He brings the difference. He brings the change. All my part is, is just to leave behind my strengths and to say, Jesus, I'm just coming as I am. For some of us, we actually find ourselves balking at this point because we're not sure that we can let people in on the real me. Church is where we need to be. We need to be in a place where we're able to say, and it doesn't have to be to the whole world. It just needs to be to people who you trust. People who are, that's why life groups are so good. Because when you're in a life group, you learn to grow in trust with one another and you can share things that are intimate to you within the confines of confidence of others who are actually going to champion Jesus in that place. Amen. This is why church is important too, because uh, in church, you, uh, you end up just uh, being reminded again that it has to come back to Christ. It has to come back to the revelation of who he is. And the testimony reminds you again, I just want to be in step with Jesus. And so, uh, you know, the hardest thing to get through is, is actually to go, you know what, I'm, I'm not sure that I can let go of all of the things I've built. So I've put so much work into building the frame around me of who I want to be, that who I want people to see me as. This morning, I'm going to invite you in a way of faith to just say, Jesus, I'm letting my guard down. I want to come simply as I am without any strengths, without any pretense. I recognize that I have lived through my own structure of trying to keep up appearances of what I want others to see. Maybe you know it's just a segment of your life and you know that the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on that this morning right now and saying that area or that environment that you're in, whether it's your workplace or amongst other uni students or in your, in your class at school, that area, uh, you, you kind of change in that area for others around you. But I want you to be Jesus in that area. Maybe there's some courage that you need this morning. So I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to close here. I was going to go for some other things, but we've closed out of time. I think we've got enough actually to grab. And just as you close your eyes, what I want you to do is just reflect and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, are there areas in my life right now that I've, I've actually begun to, I haven't actually released it completely to you. It's like I'm still holding on to the boat as Peter was. It's like I'm still uh, trying to, uh, to build an image of myself. Uh, it's like I, I lack the courage in that area to, to be Jesus in that area because people might think of me differently. And so just ask the Holy Spirit, is there an area that I just need to release to you this morning and ask for courage? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you invite us, Jesus, to, to come follow you. There's no list of things that we need to achieve or anything that you call us to, uh, to actually um, show in our character before we follow you. Just the faith to step out and take a hold of you and to let go of things that we've been holding on to. Some of us might be seasoned Christians here, Lord, but we know uh, maybe it's been something that we've, we've patterned all the way through our life and we know that we've been living out of just my own strength, out of our own uh, the best that we can present to others. And this morning, Lord Jesus, 
Would you give people just the courage to release that to you right now? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just where you are, just between you and the Lord, just go and release it. You can have it, Lord. You can have it. Have the courage, Lord Jesus. Just release it to you. And so, Lord Jesus, we just invite you now. Come and fill up the heart. Fill up, fill up the one who's drawing on you right now, saying, God, I need the courage. God, I need, to, I need everything of you. And maybe there's areas that you've even shut off to the Lord because you're not sure that he can move in that anymore. Because you've had such difficult experiences, unsure how to move forward. And right now you're saying, Jesus, just come and fill that space. Come and show me again who you are in that space. I'm just choosing you, Lord. I'm leaving behind the boats and I'm coming to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you see every heart. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just cement that in with the, the power and leading of your Holy Spirit. That what people would see is the real version of themselves. That there would be, a, Lord God, just the fruitfulness that comes from Jesus being the main story of their life. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. I just uh, want to give an invitation too, to those who uh, perhaps they've been like Matthew. They feel like they've walked away from Jesus or they've walked away from faith. They know that um, they're amongst other people of faith, but they're easily identified by those around them that um, they've moved away from faith. And, and so this morning you recognize I need you, Jesus. So I need to, to receive you as my Lord and Saviour. And this morning, I just want to give you the, the opportunity to respond in faith to Him. When He says, come, follow me. Maybe you've uh, grown up in a Christian home and you've never actually made this your own. And so this morning, it's time to respond to His call where He says, come, follow me. And so I just want to ask you, just between you and the Lord, just, just uh, recognize the call. He's calling you. Maybe even at home, you're listening and you know He's calling you this morning. And so you have a response to make. It's either I'm going to ignore that or I'm going to take a hold of everything Jesus has for me. I'm going to leave everything behind to follow Him. If that's you this morning, do you want to just, uh, while eyes are closed, just... Uh, put your hand up so I can see you. And uh, we want to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Is there anybody else? Perhaps even at home. And you're responding not to me, you're responding to Jesus. You're saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. Maybe even a recommitment. I'm deciding to follow you. Great. So let's just pray, church, for those who have said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. And uh, Lord God, we just thank you so much for every single person who is responding to you this morning. And we just declare over them that uh, it's not about their works. It's not about what they bring to the table. In fact, it's, it's actually about surrender. And Lord Jesus, thank you so much that in every relationship that, that um, uh, they know of, every uh, thing, Lord God, that they regret, every shame, everything that was done to them, we lay it at the cross. And we say, Jesus, it's all yours. Even all the strengths, all the things that are accolades in our life, we laid at the cross and we say, Jesus, it's all yours. 
And Jesus, thank you so much for taking a life such as ours, Lord God, and renewing it with new life. You were raised back to life. Thank you, Jesus. And then you give us new life. We ask, Holy Spirit, would you come? Infill each one who's making this decision. Infill them with the depths of your Holy Spirit, the life of your Holy Spirit. The Scripture says, Jesus says, it's like a spring that does not let up. It's like a river that keeps on flowing. Holy Spirit, come. Come and just manifest amongst each one in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks heaps for listening to this week's message. To find out more about what's happening in the life of our church and how you can join in with all the fun, head to newbindlengths.com.au or find us on social media. Have a lovely week.